What is the definition of a churchgoer? A churchgoer is some who go to church regularly and attend all the prayers and participate in all activities of the church. What's the definition of a spiritual person? That when he prays, he meant it. He's not doing it out of hypocrisy. When he in a relationship with God, he means he is devoted to God, he is committed to God. He stays away from the pleasures of the world. But can a person be a spiritual person without going to the church or not? Some of you said yes, he can be a spiritual person without going to church. And some people said no, he must go to church because the church will enrich his spirituality. You cannot be a spiritual person without going to church. So we need actually to find a conclusive answer to this question. Can you become a spiritual person without going to the church? Do we need to go to church to be spiritual or not? Yeah, and I know maybe some of you are confused because of the story of some hermits like St. Mary of Egypt, like St. Paul the first uh, hermit. But as I said, these are exceptions. And you cannot take exceptions and make it a rule for us. Church, actually, you cannot be a spiritual person without going to the church. You cannot. And the church should take priority, even above work, unless work is mandated by the government, like in, like in Egypt, actually. I don't know if you know this or not. In Egypt, Sunday is a working day. Sunday is a working day. But you know what Christian did? They go on Friday, yes. Because Friday is official day, so there are liturgies on all the church on Friday. But I want to tell you something about Sunday. Because Sunday is the day of the Lord. And one of the Ten Commandments to keep the day of the Lord holy. So when actually the government in Egypt made Sunday is a working day, the Christian said, no, we cannot actually uh, work on Sunday. So after a lot of discussion and argument with the government, so the government said, okay, you want to, uh, why you want Sunday off? So they said, to attend the liturgy. We need to attend liturgy on Sunday, and we cannot replace it with any other day, because that is the Lord's day. So the government finally told them, okay, on Sunday, all the Christians go to work at 10 a.m. Work starts at 7 or 8 maximum in, in Egypt. But when the Christian insisted to go to church on Sunday, they give privilege only to Christian, only to Christian, to go at 10 a.m. so they can actually attend early liturgy before going to the church. That's why when you go to Egypt, you will find all the churches on Sunday have an early liturgy that end around 8 or 8.30 and to give the people opportunity, uh, yani maybe to take breakfast or whatever, before going to their work at 10 a.m. I'm sharing this story with you to tell you two things. 
Number one, the importance of the Lord's day. The importance of the Lord's day. Thank God we are here in a country that to have Sunday is a day off. So don't say, oh, Sunday is a long liturgy. Uh, church is crowded. I'm going to go on Wednesday. I'm going to replace it with Friday. No, don't do this. Yes, you can go on Friday, you can go on Wednesday, but Sunday is the day of the Lord. And one of the Ten Commandments, to keep the day of the Lord holy. Keeping the day of the Lord holy means if there is a church on Sunday, I need to go to church on Sunday. Another exception, if somebody is, is really, really sick, uh, then yes, that is an exception, you know. So in, in this situation, he will not be able to go to church. In this situation, I want to go and give him communion at home. But once he's recovered and healed, he will go back to church. So I, I want all of you to, to know, it is impossible, it is impossible for us to be a spiritual without going to the church. It is impossible. And the idea that maybe when I grow in my spiritual life, then it's not important to go to church. No, that's not right. Actually, when you grow in your spiritual life, you need to go to church more. The more you grow in the spiritual and it is the relationship between church and spirituality, church feeds your spirituality. And your spirituality feeds how to benefit from the church. So each, other, each one feeds the other. Your spirituality feeds how to benefit from the church. And church feeds how you grow spiritually. So nothing is right about when I grow a spiritual life, I don't need to go to church. Nothing, uh, it's not correct when I say I can be spiritual, but I would be more spiritual if, if I go to church. No, you cannot be spiritual. Again, don't take the exceptions like St. Paul, the first Hermes, St. Mary of Egypt. These are very exceptional people. Not everyone like them. And they needed communion. And as I told you, in many stories of the Christ, they meet together and they pray together without we knowing. Without we knowing. That's why another tradition that yani, you should know, people who pick the Urban, they should not count the Urban. Why they should not count the Urban? Because if the Christ came and took Urban, we will not embarrass them. We're not embarrassing, we're not going to ask uh, there are three orbans missing, three, five orbans missing, you know? That's why he told us when we make orban, don't count the orban. So two things actually I explained today. One, yani when Abuna puts the water on the altar, actually we should not dry it, we should leave it on the altar. Another thing actually, if you are making korban, don't count the korban. So if the crowd comes and take korban, then they can take korban. Okay.
let us go to my first question. So I, the first question was, who is the church goer? And the second question, who is the spiritual person? Right? And can we, I will tell you still statement and tell me true or false. Every church goer is a spiritual person. True or false? Okay. Every spiritual person is a non-church goer. Okay. You got it. Okay. So, people can go to church and they are not spiritual. But you cannot be spiritual without going to church. Right? Okay. So, I want to speak to you today about how to be spiritual and not only a church goer. Because sometimes we are church goers. So we go to church. But we don't have spiritual life. Yes, we go every Sunday and we go to Sunday school and we attend the church activities and we attend the Mahragan and maybe we'll win the first place in the Mahragan. All this. But we are not spiritual. So we need to learn how to be spiritual. And from your answers, to be spiritual is to be devoted to God, connected with God, actually having a true relationship with God. And that's what we call dual life. Do you know what means dual life? Means you are living two different lives. A life is a church, you are a deacon, you are a servant, you are involved in many activities, you are in choir, many activities. But at the end, you have zero relationship with God. And maybe, not only zero relationship with God, maybe you are doing bad activities, bad stuff. This is a life of hypocrisy. And we as the children of God, we should not be hypocrite. In Matthew 23, a whole chapter, God actually rebuked the hypocrite. He told them, Walked you hypocrites, walked you hypocrites. And was repeated almost eight times, saying, Walked you hypocrites. So we should not live life of hypocrites. I will try to give you some practical point. Not to be only a church goer. The first point, you need to have a spiritual rule or a spiritual canon and you need to commit to it. Do you, do you understand what spiritual rule or spiritual canon? Spiritual rule, and with your father's confession, tell you, here is your rule. You need to pray the first hour of Agbaya, the 12th hour of Agbaya, read one chapter, write two or three lines of meditation or reflection, on this chapter, rules. You know, if it's Wednesday and Friday, when you pray, focus on the quality and the depth, connect with God, your prayer should not be just reading. When you go to church, don't be just going around the church, doing things in the festival, preparing the shoria, lighting the candles, making sure everything is organized, but you are not praying. I see some deacons, 
they are very, very active during Vesper, during liturgy. They are arranging everything, but they are not praying. When are you going to pray? When are you going to connect with God? You know? So you need actually to have a spiritual rule. Let me ask you some questions and answer it with yourself. You know, don't answer me. Do you pray every morning and every night? If the answer is no, then you don't have spiritual life. How actually you grow spiritually without communicating with God? You need actually every morning to start your day with prayer and to end the day with prayer. Every day. And not just Alain and Lazi, not just our father. You are in middle school, you are grown up. You need to start using your Agbaya. So every morning, at least, at least every morning and every night, you need to pray the Agbaya. And when you pray the Agbaya, as I saw, as I told you, focus on the quality. Not just reciting words, but really connecting with God. Another question, answer it with yourself, don't answer me. Do you read the Bible everything? If the answer is no, then you have, yeah. How can you live your life without listening to the voice of God? In prayer, I talk to God. In the Bible, God talks to me. And we need to make this dialogue to speak with God, and God talks to me. If you are not reading the Bible every day, then you are a church goer. You are not a spiritual person. Because the Bible, you listen to the voice of God. And I remember when I was in your age, my father of confession gave me a spiritual exercise that helped me a lot. He told me every day, after you read the chapter, my canon was a chapter every day. So he told me, after you read the chapter, you need to ask your, yourself this question. What is God's message for me? What is God saying to me? Maybe I find in the chapter one verse, one promise, one inquiry, one request, one uh, prohibiting, one privilege. I need to write it down. And then I write one or two lines, my reflection or my meditation on this. God wants this to me. And in this way, I am changing the Bible from just words, but into life to benefit. In the Bible, there is a daily message for each one of us. How to take this message and to live by it and to apply it in your life. That's very important. That's the second question for you. I'm speaking about the elements of the spiritual rule or spiritual canon. Prayer and Bible. Number three. Do you fast? In general, again, I don't answer, just answer by yourself. Do you fast Wednesday and Friday? Did you fast the Apostles' fast? 
Did you fast the St. Mary's fast? Do you fast the great fast? And tells me I'm young. No, you're not not young. I think the younger the youngest person among you is more than ten years old. So you are not young. Then you can fast. And fasting will not hurt your health. I was a physician and I know what I'm talking about. So fasting will not hurt your health. But fasting actually will help you to develop self-control. And fasting is fasting. I mean, what I mean fasting is fasting. When you fast, then you need actually to be serious in your fasting. Don't say, okay, and I'm going to go out with my friend, so it's okay today to break my fast. That's fine. No big deal. Fast is 55 days. If I break one day, no big deal. This is not fasting. This is lack of self-control. Fasting means you need to take it serious. Fasting is not only just abstain from a certain type of food, but fasting work with repentance, with prayer, with a Bible. Not instead of, but beside fasting from food, it's time to develop self-control. So you fast from devices instead of spending hours and hours on your devices. You can say this uh, fast, I completely stay away from social media. Okay, if there is a situation that's exceptional, don't make it a rule. So usually there are some exceptions, but the problem when we take the exceptions as a rule, then it will be the rule I will get a fish sandwich with cheese and starter sauce and I will remove the cheese and I will eat it. Okay? No, don't do this. But if there is one exception and something happened and you have no other choice and you cannot make another order and etc, 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 then yes, that's an exception. But don't make the exception as a rule. Okay. If there are exceptions, then it's exception. But, but I want you to be actually serious even in the exception and ask yourself, is this a true exception or just I make it easy on myself? Because I know somebody who had exception the 50 days of the fast. So if he has exception the 50 days or the 55 days of the fast, this means he did not fast at all, right? So, yani, exception is, is a serious exception. Yeah, okay, I mean, the exception if there is medical, yani medical reasons. Yes, medical reason can give you exception. But again, why you are speaking about exceptions? It's because of the rule. And all of us understand if there is exception, then there is exception, right? So don't try, usually when you speak about something, you try to speak about the exception. Because exception means you need to get out of it. So you're thinking about ways to get out of it, exceptions. Okay? You need to do more than your best to avoid exception. But after you do more than your best to avoid exception, and you cannot avoid exception, then exception is exception. Because nowadays there are many food, even for diabetic, for people who have allergy, many food. People who are vegetarians, 
people who are on a strict diet or vegan, when they go to their physician, tell them, I am vegan. The physician actually respects that he is vegan, and he tried to work out with him through nutritionists, you know, how, how to have healthy food for his medical condition. Right? Yeah, many people are vegan right now. Many people are vegetarians, not for any special reasons, and they insist not to eat food, meat or, or chicken, and their physician work out with them something. Okay, if they are doing it because certain belief system that is wrong and ungodly, then no, it's bad. You know, some people now they um, divinize the earth and the green. You know the word divinize? Divinize means make them divinity, like God. So they don't eat certain things because it's sinful. You know, uh, and you don't want to hurt, you know, what they consider divine. If it is some sort of belief like this, then it's bad. But if you are doing just yani, for yani, reasons, social reasons, whatever, nothing wrong with this. It depends why you are doing it. What God, what God, what God allowed, we should not prohibit. Yani if God allowed us to eat chicken, then if I say it is wrong to eat chicken, then actually I'm against God. What God allowed, I should not prohibit. But if I don't like chicken and I said I'm not going to eat chicken, I don't chicken. Okay, but don't say it as wrong or right. When we fast, we don't say eating chicken is sinful. If we are saying eating chicken or meat is sinful, then it is bad. But when we fast, we fast to develop self-control. Because when you are able to say no to, to food, you will be able to say no to sin. But if you are not able to say no to food, you will not be able to say no to sin. Right? Uh, just I want to say another point about fasting, and I'll switch to another point. Fasting actually has three dimensions. Three dimensions. Abstinence and quantity and quality. Let me explain this. Abstinence, then you need, when you wake up in the morning, to wait a little bit before eating and drinking. Maybe, yeah, according to your father of confession, maybe the first meal should be around 11 or around 12. And all of you, in Sunday, you stay until 12. And I don't see you fainting either because you stay, yeah, you said uh, until 12. So actually, in fast, you can say at 12, at 12. Nothing wrong with this. What is the first meal in the morning? What do we call it? Exactly. Breakfast is break fast. You are breaking your fast. So if you eat, and eat in the morning, you are eating what? Break fast. Then you are breaking the fast. So, but, but don't, don't, don't practice this without consulting with your father of confession. But what I'm trying to tell you, you need to train yourself to abstain for some time. 
maybe after 10 in the morning, 11. What, what, what is the point? The point is to develop self-control. Self-control. Fasting, the most important point is the ability to say no to your desires. I want to drink, I want to eat chocolate, no. I want to eat ice cream, no. So you are saying no to your desires. When you are saying no to your desires, you will be able to say no to the desire of sin. Right? Second dimension in fasting is the quality of food. Sometimes because we are fasting, we ask our parents, no, I'm fasting. So please bring me this and bring me this and bring me this, you know, and we fight for certain type of food. Then you are not self-control. <laughs> if the purpose of fasting is self-control and you demand certain food, then there is no self-control. You are defeated on self-control. And don't ask me about exception. What if somebody is sick? What if, you know, we don't have accepted this? What don't ask me about exception. Because exception is exception. I understand exception. But exceptions are not the rules. Exceptions are not the rules. Okay. If I'm asking for vegan meat, vegan cheese, vegan, then I'm not fasting. Everything, yeah. But what I'm trying to say is fasting is also about the quality of food. What do I mean? Uh, Whatever they bring me, I will eat it with thanksgiving. Whatever in the, in the house they prepare for me, I eat it with thanksgiving. But to fight about certain type of food, no, I don't need this, bring me this, no, why are bringing this, I, I am tired of eating this, no, I... This is not fasting. Whatever they prepare for me, I will eat it and thank God. Even if I don't like it. Exactly, appreciating what we have and developing self-control. Yani, you need to control the food and you need to control your action also. It's not about food, but it's also about how you conduct yourself. Food, yani, developing self-control in food in order to train yourself to act godly. Right? Okay. The third dimension is about the quantity. Quantity means sometimes I like this food, so I eat until I'm filled, but I'm full, but I eat more. And I have stomach ache and trouble in my stomach, you know, because just I, I love food. That's not right. And it's called gluttony, if you know what gluttony is. Do you know what gluttony is? So it's a sin. Gluttony is sin. So you need to eat, yes, but to control the quantity. It is healthier, it's healthier, that your stomach is like a balloon. If you extend it more than it should be, actually, then uh, the reflux of acid, you will have acid reflux, gonna hurt your stomach, gonna hurt your larynx, gonna hurt your throat. Why you put yourself in this? You don't need to stretch your stomach more than it what should be. And then you will gain weight and uh, you will think how to get rid of this weight. You know, it, it will be 
maybe you put yourself in many problems. But I'm not hearing in, in uh, healthy class or medical class, I'm hearing spiritual lesson. So I'm not, I'm not asking you to control the quantity just for medical and health reason. I'm explaining it, it is beneficial for your health. But the main reason is to develop self-control. If you like certain type of food and you, can, and you cannot say to yourself, stop, fellas, you are full, stop, then you don't have self-control. Then if you don't have self-control, you will fall in sin because you cannot say to yourself no. So these are the three dimensions in fasting. Yani, if, if you can't control yourself and don't eat it in the first place, that's right. But if you, you take a little of it and say not yourself, nothing wrong with Okay. So these are the ascetic dimension of fasting. You know what it, ascetic? You know what ascetic means? So ascetic means how to control your body. But fasting is not only about controlling your food. So if you're controlling the quantity, the quality, you abstain, you fast, but you are living a bad life, a bad life. Are you fasting? Are you fasting? No, you're not. That's why, as he said, fasting is not only about food, but fasting is about repentance and living a godly life. This actually will bring me to the following question. And I ask you about prayer, ask you about Bible, ask you about fasting. Number four, Tanya, I will ask you a question. Don't answer, but answer to yourself. Do you have a father of confession? And do you confess regularly? And are you honest in your confession? And are you living the life of repentance? Meaning, when I can go to my father of confession every week and I tell him the same list, and after I leave, nothing changes in my life. Just, uh, I lie, I swear, I gossip, I judge, I, 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 and Abuna will pray the absolution for me and leave. Two weeks or three weeks later, I go to Abuna and I see the same list, and Abuna will pray the absolution for me and I leave. And then I go and say the same list. I'm not fighting. I'm not trying to be a godly man. I'm not asking the Holy Spirit to fill me and to guide me to live a godly life. Is this repentance? Is this confession? No. The repentance and confession is to live a godly life. A godly life. And I will tell you some steps you need to practice before confession. So confession comes as number six. So there are five steps for confession. Number one, to admit it to yourself that you are wrong. That's what confession is. Confession, I am wrong. I am confessing that I am wrong. That's a confession. And I have no excuse. I am wrong. That's confession. That's number one. Number two, you are wrong and sorry about it. Because some people, they know they are wrong, but they brag about it. They, they don't feel sorry about it. But no, I am wrong. 
and I'm sorry about it. Number three, I'm wrong, I'm sorry about it, and I will do whatever it takes to avoid it again through the grace of God. I will fight the good fight. I will complete the race. In St. Paul said in Hebrew, you did not fight until blood shed against sin. So St. Paul wants us to fight. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit is speaking with the mouth of St. Paul. To fight till what? Till blood shed against sin. I admit I am wrong. I have no excuses. I am sorry about it. I will do whatever it takes through the grace of God not to do it again. And the number four, correcting the result of sin. For example, if I get angry against Annie and disappointed my parent, or I get angry at my parent, I have to go and tell them, I'm sorry. I, I was angry, and I should not do this for you. If I disappointed one of my friends in school, I, 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 I should go and say, I'm sorry. I was wrong in doing this. If I lied to somebody, I should actually tell them, I'm sorry I lied to you. So, you know, who corrected his sins? The Bible, do you know? Who corrected his sins? Who corrected his sins in the Bible? Prodigal son, when he returned back to his father. St. Paul, he was persecuted for the church, and now he's persecuted. Peter, because he denied the Lord and wept bitterly. People of Nineveh, they repented and fasted. Jonah, he, after he said, I'm not going to go to Nineveh, he went to Nineveh and listened to God. Yeah, Nicodemus came to the Lord at night and asked him about baptism. And then, yeah, later on, he was one of the two persons who took the body of Christ and buried. Then Paul, yes, he was persecutor of the church and repented. Manasseh the king, yes. It's very powerful prayer of repentance. Rehab, who saves the two spies for the sake of God. Samson, yes, he repented uh, after he sent with Delilah, Thomas, after he doubted the Lord Jesus Christ, and lot after he left in Sodom and Gomorrah. Samaritan woman, of course, she repented and changed her life. Adam and Eve, after the ate from the forbidden tree, the right hand thief, thief I said, remember me, O Lord, when you come to Yes, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, do you remember the story of Zacchaeus? When he said to the Lord, if I was unfair to anyone, to anyone I will restore for gold and half of my goods, I will give it to the poor. So you need to admit it yourself that you did something wrong. You are sorry about it. Through the grace of God, you will do whatever it takes not to do it again. And you will correct your sin. The last point before you go to Abuna, have confidence that God will accept your confession and forgive you. Don't do like uh, Judas who doubted God's forgiveness and went and hanged himself. But have confidence. 
So these are five steps before going to Abuna. I admitted to myself, and I am sorry about it. And I will do whatever it takes, and I correct the, my sin, and have hope in God. And it is good actually to pray and ask God for your forgiveness and to confess your sins before God in prayer before going and meet Abuna. So take this practice to pray to God before going to Abuna, and after you finish confession, another prayer as God to help you to live a life of goodness and life of goodness. Many people actually are forgiven by God. On the cross, you forgive all people, you forgive all sins for all people in all ages. But many people did not accept this forgiveness. And many people, they are not reconciled with God. So I will do, do my part. And if I sin against you, I will come and tell you, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you. If you did not forgive me, that's your problem, my problem. But I did my part before God. So, my point, the main point of this uh, lecture, I want to, to differentiate between a church goer and a spiritual person. Because I know all of you, children, you are church goers. I, I am sure you, you go to church every Sunday, many activities, maybe every Vesper, maybe during uh, weekdays. But I don't want you to have a dual life. So you go to church, but you have no relationship with God. You are not a spiritual person. No. You have the privilege you are. You can go to church more frequent than anybody else. This is in itself is a privilege. So take advantage of this blessing. Take advantage of this privilege and be a spiritual person. Be a spiritual person through your canon, through your prayer, through your Bible, through fasting, through confession, spiritual reading, listening to spiritual sermons, understanding the Bible and start doing Bible study. Unfortunately, you waste a lot of time in social media. Again, I will ask a question and answer it with yourself. How many times every day you spend on social media and how many times every day you spend with God? If you are spending more time on social media than with God, then there's something wrong here. If you spend with God two minutes or three minutes, and then five hours, six hours, ten hours on social media, then there's something wrong. Do you agree? Do you agree? You know? So, you need to spend more time with God if you want to be a spiritual person. Unless you are listening to a sermon on YouTube, you are listening to him from YouTube, you know? Then that's a spiritual time. But I'm speaking to as a friends and TikTok and Instagram and all these things that waste your time. Okay, if you are spending one hour and 30 minutes and one hour and 30 minutes in social media, but in, in uh, non-sinful activities, to avoid the ungodly stuff because social media 
is full of ungodly stuff. And you need to be selective to choose what's edifying, not what is destroying. Games are addictive, and some games has violence in it, but definitely it's addictive, you know. People who design the games, design it in a way to make it addictive. They take courses how to make the, the social media addictive, because they want you to cling to it. So it's not just a game, it is how to make it addictive to you. Okay. I enjoyed my time with you, and again, as a last point, I want all of us, including myself, to be spiritual and not only churchgoers. To be spiritual and not only churchgoers. Thanks so much.